Grab your Bibles and stand for the reading of God's Word. We are going to be in Psalms 121. That is on page 516 in the Bibles around the room. When I am finished, I'm going to say this is the Word of the Lord because indeed this is the inspired Word of the Lord and this is a particularly wonderful psalm. And your response is going to be thanks be to God because at this church we are thankful that God has given us His Word. All right, Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, our help always comes from you. You are the good shepherd who always watches over us, never sleeping or distracted. Thank you for your faithfulness. Open our hearts and our minds and be with us now as we hear your word through Pastor Kyle. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, Living Stones. Happy summer to you. Summer's officially here. Yeah, all right. Uh, so if you're new to Living Stones, uh, welcome. My name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here. And we, like Melanie said, we love to go through the Bible because we believe that God has spoken to us through his word. So we're on Psalm 121 today. If you don't have a Bible open, open it up to the Bibles um, that we have around the room. Open it up to page 516 on those Bibles. Psalm 121. This is a beautiful psalm. And uh, today is a happy day for me because I love this psalm, but it's also a little bit of a sad day because this is my last sermon uh, before I go on sabbatical. And then um, if uh, God provides, um, then we'll be having another lead pastor coming in when I come back from sabbatical, and I'll be taking over the lead pastor position at the Reno Living Stones. So I'm a little sad and emotional, but also excited because I love the, the psalm. So it's going to be a mixture of emotions. Um, this psalm, the, the way to, to jump right in is this psalm is the beginning, or it's the second of 15, what is called the Psalm of Ascents. So if you look at the, the, the psalm in your Bibles, there will be a title before it gets into the words. And the title says, the, A Song of Ascents. And what that was is it was, these were songs that God's people, Israel, sung uh, when they were on their way up to Jerusalem. As they were walking up to the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem was on a hill. That's why it's an ascent psalm. And when you were walking up, uh, these people would sing these songs. And it reminds me of something um, that I experienced a few years ago. I was in Sacramento. And uh, apparently the minor league soccer team in Sacramento had won the national championship. And so uh, we were there and all of a sudden I just saw crowds of people kind of coming from every little block. And they were all kind of coming together around to the Capitol. And from a few blocks of way, we heard a big crowd coming and they were singing. 
And they were chanting and they were singing. And then as they got closer, the crowd grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And they were following the team and the team was holding the trophy and all the fans were singing the soccer songs. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience. And in a, in a, in a, that was just scratching the surface of what these Psalms of Ascent would be. Because uh, three times a year, if you lived uh, as somebody who worshipped God, three times a year you would have to take a journey from your home to Jerusalem. If you were close, it was a close journey. If you lived far away, it could be a couple weeks this journey was. And so everybody would leave as individual families from their little villages, and they would start walking on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And as you got closer, the crowd would be getting bigger. And as you got even closer to the place where you started up the ascent, the crowd would start singing. And they would sing these 15 psalms, Psalms 120 through Psalms 135 or 134. They would sing these songs. And and so I just want you to try to imagine this scene. Pretty cool. God's people coming together. When I was a kid, uh, one of my favorite days to worship was Easter. And I remember our church would rent out a big old ballroom at the Hilton or the GSR now. Um, at the GSR, and we would all park in the parking lot, and it was so cool because everybody was coming from different corners of the parking lot to come and worship our Lord together. And that's what's going on here. And so this psalm is a psalm that has as its metaphor the journey toward God, the journey up toward God. And, And it's a metaphor for us because we're all on a journey up towards God. We're on a journey from our fallen and broken and weak place on our way up to the living God. And we come here together. And the big idea of the psalm is this. Look up. God is your helper. Look up. God is your helper. And that's how we're going to break it down. The first point is look up. The second point is God. And the third point is, is your helper. So uh, first of all, look up. He says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Say this together. Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He says, I lift my eyes to the hill. So the first thing I want you to notice about this psalm is it's, it's said in a posture of weakness. I'm looking up. Is there anybody to help me? It's said in a posture of vulnerability. It's said in a posture of this idea that we're all on this journey and we cannot make it alone. We need a helper. Can I get an amen? We need a helper. The first step to Christianity is being acquainted with your weakness. Many people think that Christianity is about becoming strong about getting your life together and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But that is individualism. It's not Christianity. It's called Christianity because we're supposed to be dependent on Christ as our helper. The first step to Christianity is admitting that we are weak and we need help. And some of you in here, you've been so burdened, you're beat down, you're tired because you've been trying to do it on your own. But the good news of the Bible is God says, you don't have to. I want to be your helper. 
And, and we know this because he says, from where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills. Now, it's not just to any hills. These people certainly weren't looking up to uh, Rattlesnake Mountain or to Pa-Ra Mountain over here or, uh, you know, Canoe Hill. They weren't looking up to those hills. As they were journeying towards Jerusalem, no matter which way you approach the city, it was on a hill. You had to, from each direction you could approach it, you had to drop into a valley first, and then you had to go up a hill. So what they were saying is, I'm looking up towards Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was where God's holy temple was, and God's king was. So I'm looking up to God's presence and God's rule to be my help. To say I lift my eyes to the hills as God's people was to say I lift my eyes to God. I'm looking up to God. And so that's what it calls us to do. Look up. It doesn't say look around. That's what secularism says. Secularism says look around to other things, other people, other relationships, to a new job, a better look. Ten ways to be a fit and healthy you, to a better sex life, to more money. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say look around to a new job. Then you'll find your help. It, it doesn't say look around. It says look up. It also doesn't say look down. When we look down, this is what hopeless despair tells us to do. There is no hope for you. And this is a whisper that's often in many of our ears when we go to bed at night. There is no help for you. There is no hope. There is nobody here who wants to, to be with you and comfort you. You know what? what your, your existence is unimportant. Those are all lies from the devil. Those are lies from our sinful flesh living in a broken world. The good news of the gospel is we don't need to look down. We can look up. And it also doesn't say look within. This is what religion tells you to do. Both traditional religion and new age religion. Traditional religion says look within to your own good works. You know what you need to do to be a helper? You, know, to, to, you need to be your own helper. You need to get your life together. You need to read the Bible more. You need to pray more. You need to uh, give more. And if you do all these things and if you're a better person and you do more good works, you can help yourself. doesn't say that. That's traditional religion. New Age religion says you need to look within and you need to find the light within you to conquer the darkness. No. The only light within you is light given to you by God himself who is the light. So we look up. Not to ourselves. We don't look to our own works. We don't look to our own moralism. We don't look to ourselves being good and nice and great people. We look to God. And, there's the, and so the first step is we need to admit our weakness. And isn't that good news? It's okay to be weak on this journey towards God. It's okay to be weak in your life. The whole world is telling you, you got to be strong. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. This is the message of America. And we're the third most depressed country in the world. Because we're dependent too much on ourselves. And we know we, we want to be strong, but we can't be. So we desperately need the gospel right now. Because the God says, when you're not strong, I'll be strong for you. So we look up. 
The second thing we need to know after knowing our weakness is we need to know God's nature. And that leads me to my second point. God. Look up. God is your helper. What does it say about God in verses 1 and 2? It says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from God who made heaven and earth. First of all, this tells us that God is big. Amen? He made heaven and earth. That's pretty big. He made heaven. Now, this is, this is a really interesting statement because pagan nations would look to spiritual beings and their quote-unquote gods, their spiritual beings that they worshipped who resided in heaven. But the Hebrews were coming along and said, yeah, but our God is the one who made heaven. Therefore, all spiritual beings belong to him. Therefore, we don't worship lesser beings. We worship the creator God. He made heaven. But then he also made the earth. And so the psalmist is saying, as we observe the beauty and the power of creation, we observe the nature of God. We need to let creation preach to us sometimes, especially when we're feeling weak. I was writing this psalm in my backyard and uh, you know, and then I also had some nights where I was just meditating on this psalm and I got to observe creation and God's nature in a few different ways. When you look at creation, first of all, you see how powerful God is. Um, on the drive that I have from my house to the church, there's a cool part of the drive where you turn around the corner and then you just see Mount Rose. And this is this beautiful picture. Now, as humans, we've created really awesome things. We've made some impressive things, but none of us have ever made anything as impressive as Mount Rose or Tahoe. And the scripture tells us that God just spoke that into existence by the word of his power. Um, he, he is powerful. Another thing we see about God is that God is big. I was taking a walk uh, early, early yesterday morning. I couldn't sleep and I was just taking a walk and I was just observing the stars. You know how long it would take for us to travel to the nearest star according to NASA? 73,000 years to travel to the nearest star. And we know that there's millions and millions and millions of stars and God is beyond all of that. That's pretty big. <laughs> um, we also see his control. As you see the clouds coming over the mountains and then dropping down rain, and we're reminded that we're in different seasons. And then I ate some cherries uh, the other day because it's the glorious time of summer and cherries are here. But why are those cherries here? Because God sent rain and he sent uh, weather, that, that uh, warmth that helped the, the trees produce fruit. God is in control of all the seasons so that we can have food. Um, he, he provides uh, care of, of the seasons. He, he causes the sun to rise, the moon to, to circulate. He, he controls the, the tides of the waves. He controls it all. He's in, he's in control. And then lastly, we see God's intentionality. Um, and I, I reflected on this as I was sitting in my backyard and I was watching bees come into my flowers and then take off. And then, you know, you've seen the movie with Jerry Seinfeld, the bee movie, you know, the cartoon. But the whole premise of the movie is if, if we lost bees, as a, you know, if, if somehow we killed all the bees, humans would all die. 
because it's the bees that carry the pollen to the plants. And then it, it's, it's just this whole intentionality that God has where everything works together. Um, and why are those things so important for us? Because when we feel like life is out of control, when we feel like we're too weak to keep on going, we need to look up and see a God who is in control. We need to see a God who's bigger than our circumstance, and we need to see that God is intentional with everything he does, even the hardships in our life. So as we're on this journey, we can see God's intentionality, and we can trust that he will get us to where we need to go. He's big. But he's also deeply committed to his people. And I get this from verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. And see how the word Lord is in all caps? Why is it in all caps? What's that mean? It's the word Yahweh. This is the covenant name of God to Israel. It's a special name. Now, we kind of get the idea of special names, okay? Um, According to the IRS, my name is Kyle William Bateson, okay? But um, according uh, to uh, my neighbors, sometimes they just call me, hey, bro, you know? One neighbor across the street calls me the reverend. (laughs) The kids next door, I coached their team, their soccer team when they were four years old, so they still sometimes come over and call me Coach Kyle. Um, I have a variety of things that people call me. They're not all good, but some people call me (laughs) different names. But there's one name that represents a deep commitment that I have to these specific people, and only a few people get to call me this name, and it's the name Dad. And there's three people in this world that get to call me that name. And that name is a much greater, more deeply committed name than Reverend or Coach Kyle or Bro. (laughs) It's a name that represents my deep commitment, even at great expense to myself, to the people that I love. And that is the name of Yahweh to Israel. That is the name in which God is like, I'm so deeply committed to you, I'm willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of you. It's a name of deep commitment. And what it shows us is that God is not only big, he's deeply committed to us in our lives as we're on this journey towards him. And so some of us in this room, we we know that God is big, but we don't believe that God is deeply committed. We have, a, we have no problem saying, yeah, there is a God out there. He's the guy in the sky. He's the all-seeing eye, whatever. But he's probably not that concerned about my life in Sparks, Nevada. Well, the Bible begs to differ. And then others of us are in here, and we believe that God is deeply committed, that God is a God of love, and he cares, but we really don't believe that he's that big. And so we have these anxiety attacks, these freak out moments, because we think that our situation, our complication is bigger than our God. But the scripture tells us that God is both big and deeply committed. He's both at the same time. Amen? Hallelujah. The third thing that we see here as we look up to God, because he's our helper, is we see what God does to help us. And this is my third point. How does God help us? Well, the next verses show us three ways. The first way that he shows us is um, God helps us by giving us stability and strength on this journey. Verse 3 says, He will not let your foot be moved. 
He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. He will not let your foot be moved, it says. As you're on this journey of life, some of your translations might say, he will not let your foot slip. In other words, you, he will ensure, no matter how klutzy you are, that you will get to where you're supposed to go. He will not let your foot be moved. Now this is good news. Because you got to think, as these people are taking their journey to Jerusalem, sometimes there would be a storm. And there was no pavement. And when there's no pavement and a storm comes, it's just mud. And it's slippery. And it's a mess. But you still have to go on the journey. And it's saying that when the storms of your life come, God will help so your foot doesn't slip and you will get where you need to go. Sometimes the terrain was too tough. It's a steep hill sometimes and life feels like that, doesn't it? Well, God will not let your foot be moved. He will help you conquer the terrain. He will do it. Sometimes, uh, you know, we feel weak. Every able-bodied person is the, one, the people who had to go to Jerusalem. And sometimes... You know, as life happens and you get older, it's, that journey gets tougher and you feel weak. And it's good news to us when we feel weak, when we feel like we just can't put one foot in front of the other, God will help us so that our foot will not slip. And then lastly, some of us are klutzy. If you know me, I've been clumsy from the time I've been a child. We do prayer walks around the city three days a week. We walk, and often I like slip off a curb, or I roll my ankle, and I trip, and everybody laughs and makes fun of me. And uh, I've been thinking about that on this journey. Like, I think spiritually we're all clumsy. I think on this journey towards God, it would be really nice to have it all together, but we're all clumsy. We often slip. We often fall. We often backslide. But this is saying God will ensure that our foot is stable. And even if we, we slip, God is going to help us back up. And he will not let our foot be moved so that we keep on going forward and we get to where we need to go. He will not let us be moved. And then secondly, the second thing that he does here is he guards us at all times. It says, he who keeps you will not slumber. Why does it say keep? That's a really weird word. He's our keeper. Anybody play soccer in here ever? What is the goalie called? The goalie's called the keeper. And the job of the keeper is to guard the net. And so that's what this is saying. God is your guardian. He's the first and greatest guardian of the galaxy. He is our guardian. He, he will keep us. He will guard us. And the good news is that he will not slumber. Therefore, you can slumber. You can sleep because God isn't. Um, we can rest because God is always at work. He will always guard us. And I like the next verse. Okay, The Lord is your keeper, your guardian. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Now you got to think about this. As they would travel, they're traveling through very similar terrain as we have here in northern Nevada. And, and, and the sun can be brutal sometimes, okay? Now, uh, this is great news. Pasty people get this. Verse 5, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. I get this, okay? I need some shade out there every once in a while. A lot. I can only handle like five minutes of sun and then I'm toast. All right? 
Some of you were blessed with the spiritual gift of having darker skin or having the ability to tan, but not me. Um, shade on your right hand. This was good news for their journey. He's their shade. He's their protector. And then it, it's explained more in verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. This is a really poetic way to say the perils of the day, God will guard you from the perils of the day, and he'll also guard you from the perils of the night. And, and for them, as they're taking this journey, it was something that they were thinking about. Because during the day, it was hot, and there was sun, and then at night, uh, it got cold, just like it does here. It was, it was really cold, but then also there was predators coming out at night. Um, often robbers and bandits would come and, and try, to, try to raid the roads. And they said, who is the one who is guarding us? God is guarding us. And then metaphorically, it's, it's all through your life at all times. God is not slumbering. He's not sleeping at the day or the night. At all times, God is your guardian. He is the one protecting you. Now, who are these promises for? Verse 4 tells us that these promises are not for every community in the world. It says, behold, he who keeps who? Israel. Israel is the covenant name for those who have faith in God. In the New Testament, Galatians 6 says that the church is Israel as we have faith in God. Those who have faith in God are God's people. And that is, in one sense, very encouraging because it means for these promises to be true about your life, all you have to have is faith. You don't have to have perfection. Many people think that if you do good, God will guard you. If you are perfect, then God will give you guidance and protection. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, even though you're a sinner, if you have faith, God will guide you. It's faith alone that allows you to be a part of Israel. It's through faith that God guards us. And then it also is a warning to us. It's a, it's a check to us. Because it means that if we're not having faith in Christ, then these promises can't be said about us. And so if you're a guest with us here at this church and you're like, yeah, I'm still trying, I'm not sure what I believe. Here's what you need to know. That these promises are available to you if you have faith. But if you choose to refuse God and make yourself an enemy of God by refusing him, these promises are not about you. They're not for you. But God wants them to be for you. So have faith. Have faith in him. And these can be said about you. And God will be your guardian at night and during the day. He will not slumber, nor will he sleep. It also says in verse 7, the Lord will keep you. He will guard you from all evil. He will keep your life. Now, um, this is true in a very general sense. Um, as his people, God is the one who protects us from all evil. He is the one who uh, protects us from um, anything harmful that could be coming at us. And we know that the work of evil is to destroy our souls. Satan wants death for your life. Satan wants division for your life. Satan wants confusion for your life. He wants condemnation and he wants shame for your life. But God is your guardian from all kinds of evil. He's your guardian from all evil. Um, 
Now, there's a heresy out there called the word of faith heresy. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's a heresy that says God will protect you from all things harmful if you have enough faith. And if anything harmful happens to you, it's because you didn't have enough faith. That's a heresy. It's a heresy. It's not true. Because sometimes God does allow things that are hurtful and harmful to happen to us, doesn't it? Well, how can that make sense with verse 7? And, and here's how it makes ver- sense with verse 7. Because our definition of God protecting us and God's definition are often different. Our definition of God protecting us is we don't want anything bad to ever happen to us. God's definition is sometimes I'm going to allow bad stuff to happen to you because it's part of my glory and your journey. Sometimes God allows something harmful to happen to you. He allows for the feces and the fan to interface so that things, so that his glory can be displayed. Because as his glory is displayed, that is the best thing for your life. Amen? And sometimes we have to go through harmful things or we have to face the evils and the brokenness of this world in order to go back to verse 3, in order for our foot not to be moved. In order for God to help us on our journey. In order for God to get us to where we need to go. And sometimes we would never get there if God did not help us get there. And the way that he helps us sometimes is by allowing harmful and hurtful things to happen to us. And it says in verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so here it sets the context that God's protection for you is not only in the present, but he has this eternal sense in mind forevermore. So it's not just that, that God is like, yeah, I'm going to be your protector today, which he is. But it's this idea that he is your eternal protector, that the thing that he cares about the most is your soul eternally reaching him on this journey. So he will guard you at all times. Then the last thing it says is he will be with you wherever you go. And the way I get this is this, the shade, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. Everybody raise your right hand. Where's your right hand? Right next to you. Really close. Your right hand is really, really close to you. It's attached. I don't know if you knew that today, but welcome to church. I'm helping you out. Science, okay? Your right hand is close. And this is a metaphor of saying this is how close God is. And wherever you go, guess what? Your right hand's coming with you. You know? It's with you wherever you go. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. He's right here. He's this close. And then, and then it says, he will keep your going out and your coming in. So this is a metaphor of when you go into Jerusalem, God is with you. When you come out of Jerusalem, God is with you. When you go into your house, God is with you. When you come out of your house, God is with you. When you go to work, God is with you. When you come home from work, God is with you. Wherever you go, God is with you. Amen? Yeah. He is with us. This is the hope of, of, of the whole scripture, Psalm 23. You guys probably know this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does it say later down? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
God is with us. God is the good shepherd who will never abandon his sheep. And if you are one of his sheep, you can try to run away and abandon God. But he'll always come and get you. Because he loves you. There's never a moment in our life where God has ever or will ever abandon us. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a little pendant that I have in my car that my mom and dad gave to me when I was like 18. And um, some people think it's like a pithy little Christian thing, but I, I think it's really true. And, it's, and, and some of you, if you've been around the church for a while, um, you've heard this, this uh, little poem. But it's a, the poem of, of Footprints. And it's this idea where there's a guy who has a dream. And as he's sleeping, he is walking along a beach and he sees the scenes of his life playing in the sky. And he's just, go, he's just taking a walk on the beach and he sees the, all of the scenes. And then he gets to the end, to the last scene of his life, and he sees that he's about to meet God. And he looks back on the beach and he notices that there's two sets of footprints for the whole thing, except for in the hard times. Except for in the deepest and most sad times, there's only one set of footprints in those times. And he gets kind of mad at God, and he says to God, God, where were you? I see two sets of footprints this whole journey of my life, but in the bad times, in the times I needed you most, there's only one set of footprints. Why did you abandon me? And God says to him, my child, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see one set of footprints in those times, not because I abandoned you, but because in those times I carried you. I was carrying you. I was helping you get to where you can go. I was being your helper. And I think that that's a very true statement about what the scriptures teach us. That oftentimes we feel like God has abandoned us, but it's in those times most likely God is carrying you. And it's good news because sometimes we feel like we're not strong enough to cling to God, but we can trust that God is always strong to hold on to us. Now, this, in conclusion, this psalm calls us to look up to God, our helper, and to have faith that he will help us on our journey. But it wasn't always easy for Israel. It was definitely easy in the times of David and Solomon. But what about the times of exile? When Babylonian took them over and dragged them away as slaves. They still sung this song. Did you know that? What about the times, uh, you know, the 400-year the period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God stopped speaking to them? 400 years, that's a long time. Our country, the United States, is not even 400 years old. What about the times when they uh, were being conquered by their enemies? What about the times when Rome came in and decimated everything and destroyed the temple? These people still sing this song. And, and it's a reminder to us that sometimes we feel like God is sleeping, don't we? We look at this and say, you will never slumber or sleep, but it sounds like you're sleeping right now, God. Where are you? And it's a reminder to us that in those times when we feel like God is sleeping, we need to trust his word more than we trust our emotions. We need to trust his promises more than we need to trust our doubts. 
And even in those times, it's actually probably in those times that we need to sing this psalm the most. God is our helper. He will never slumber nor sleep, even if we don't see how he's working right now. And to show us just how far God was willing to go to be our helper, he got off of his throne in heaven, and he came down in the person of Jesus Christ to live life in our shoes. Um, in fact, the angel told his mother Mary that they were to call Jesus Emmanuel because Je- that means Jesus is God with us. God has come to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ to be our helper. And Jesus himself would have perfect faith in God. And, and Jesus himself at one uh, on the last day of his life, would also ascend a hill in Jerusalem. But he ascended this hill not to get help from God, but to be the help that comes from God. And as he carried the cross up the hill, he knew what he was doing. He was about to be nailed to that cross for our sins, for our evils, so that by being nailed to that cross, he could be our guardian. And so when you see him there nailed to the cross, vulnerable and weak, you can look at him and what is he doing? He's being your keeper. And he says, get behind me, my child, and I will keep you from all evil. Hide behind the shadow of the cross and know that I am with you. And as we look at the cross, we can remember that God really is our helper. And so as the Old Testament saints took a journey three times a year to Jerusalem, The call for us as New Testament saints is to take a journey of our heart every single day to Jerusalem, to the cross, to remember that God is our helper. And so our call is the same as theirs. I lift my eyes to the hills where my Lord was crucified. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Jesus Christ who made heaven and earth. He is my helper. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that um, you were willing to go so far to help us. Jesus, you held nothing back to be our keeper. And, And as we read earlier in the service in Hebrews, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, we don't have to turn to money. We don't have to turn to possessions for our help. We can turn to you. God, I want to pray over everybody in this room I pray over the people that that feel like this is just a familiar message and they just know it already. Nothing new, but Lord, even though it's nothing new, it's something that needs to be reminded over and over and over again. Help us to, help it to be refreshing to our souls, even though it's in some ways old news. I pray for those in here who are visitors who needed to hear this message today. I pray that they would stop trusting in other things and today would trust in you that they would see that their journey is in peril and their soul is in peril, but with you they can have a guardian. And I pray for those specifically in this room who are feeling weak and broken and confused and they're hurting and life seems to be like it's falling apart and they don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that you would show up today and have a real meaningful encounter with them and that you really would be their helper. In your name we pray.